You're listening to the Refinery Church Podcast. Each message comes from our Saturday night service in Brea, California. We pray these messages will build your faith and encourage you today. Full of it is about taking a hold of this key found in Scripture. A key that unlocks peace and joy and confidence. And I want to show you our theme verses, and I'm going to ask everybody in the house to read our first one together so that we can all hear this. The Bible says this, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so we have a belief here that we like to, we like to hear God's word, okay? We like to hear God's word. And so as we listen to God's word together, it will increase our faith. Take a look at our theme verse here really quickly. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 17. Let's read it together loudly and clearly. Ready, begin. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. This is our theme. This is where we're at. And we're, you can see there that there's something significant because there's some absolute words used there. Always, never, and be thankful in all all circumstances. Our second verse is very similar. It was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi. I'm going to read this one. You guys can just follow along and read on the screens as I read it. Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 through 7 say, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Everybody say thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. Thanksgiving, not the holiday in November, not the time of turkey and stuffing and mashed potatoes, but the the giving of thanks is so important. It is so important. Matter of fact, we're going to learn over the next few weeks that it isn't just important, it's jugular to seeing God's power moving in our lives. When we're talking about being full, we're talking about being full of thanks. That's what it means. Thankful. Full of thanks. And being thankful is a refinery cultural value. It's one of our values. We are a thankful congregation. But more importantly, we see throughout the entire Bible that God's supernatural power is is catalyzed. It starts with thankfulness. Matter of fact, you're going to hear over the next few weeks when David comes to God, it says in Psalm 100 that, it's, that David says, we enter God's courts with praise, with thanksgiving in our hearts. David says, when we come to God, we need to come with a heart of thanksgiving. And we're going to find out why that matters so much. A thankful heart, practically speaking, take a look at this. A thankful heart unlocks God's power in our lives to combat depression. It it unlocks God's power to quiet the voice of fear. It it unlocks God's power to experience joy. Not just happiness, but joy. You know there's a difference between happiness and joy, right? When I'm hungry or hangry, right? I'm unhappy. I'm angry. I want food. As soon as I fill my belly, now I'm happy. Now I'm happy. And then I'm hungry again a few hours later, and now I'm unhappy. Three times a day, I'm happy and unhappy, happy and unhappy. (laughs) Happiness is a roller coaster. Joy, joy is a confidence that leads us to a place where no matter what storm, no matter what challenge, no matter what things we're going through, we've got joy that says, I'm going to make it through this. I'm going to make it through it. A thankful heart 
unlocks God's power to raise our confidence. A thankful heart prepares the way for miracles in your life. It does. It does. And that's what we see when we look in the Bible. The miracles that men and women experienced were predicated. They, they started with thankfulness. I showed you uh, two weeks ago when we, when we started this, uh, we looked at John chapter 6, how Jesus fed thousands of people with just a few loaves and bread, a few loaves of bread and a few fish. It was a miracle of provision. And it started with, matter of fact, it began and the only thing Jesus did to see that miracle take place was he gave thanks. That's what it said in John chapter 6. It says that Jesus took this few loaves of bread and fish, he broke it, and he gave thanks. And then he distributed it. That was it. That was it. That was the prelude to seeing a miracle take place. See, when we get a hold of this, we can begin to exercise this principle in our life and begin to see God's power at work in our life. Church, this is so vitally jugular important to us that we must get a hold of this. Tonight, I want to look at another example for just a few minutes. Another example of thankfulness that led to something supernatural taking place. And it's found in the New Testament book of Acts. The book of Acts. It's called Acts, A-C-T-S, because it was the acts of the early church, the, the, the early things that were happening in the church, those first followers of Jesus Christ. What were some of the things that were taking place during that period of time? It's, this particular one is found in Acts chapter 16, and it's about Paul and his ministry partner, a guy by the name of Silas. Everybody say Silas. Good to have a partner in ministry. It's good to have somebody who's there with you because when tough times come, it's good to lean on somebody. While ministering in a region of Mas in a region called Macedonia, they were thrown in jail because well, they, they helped a woman get healed. A demon-possessed woman was delivered from demon possession, and their reward was the city authorities said. Man, you just ruined it. She, was, she, she, she made money for us. And so now we can't make money off her anymore. And so now we're going to throw you in jail. And they did. And they threw Paul and Silas in jail. As a matter of fact, if you read Acts chapter 16, you find out they didn't just throw them in jail. They put them in the inner, inner jail, the, the darkest inner part of the dungeon. And this is not just some resort kind of jail like we have here in the United States, he, this was a dungeon. This was a Roman. This was dark and dank and wet. And, and, and not only did they put them in the inner, they, they, they put shackles on their feet like they were some sort of violent criminal. So here's Paul and Silas. All they were doing was, was being a good person. They were just trying to help people. They were trying to do what God had told them to do. And their reward was to get thrown into prison. Doesn't seem fair, does it? How many of you guys would wave at me and say, that's not fair? That's not fair. I don't think that's fair. I, I don't think that's fair. These are two men who, who helped a young lady get set free, and now they're thrown in jail. I can tell you, the average person, even the average Christian, would be sitting in that prison, totally pitch black, sitting on mud and other stuff, with their feet shackled, going, this is not fair. This is not fair. This is not what I signed up for. When I said yes to Jesus, I was expecting a big mansion. And look where I'm at. See, the average person would be going, this isn't fair. 
But Paul and Silas demonstrate something to us, a principle that unlocks God's power. And I want to show you here. Acts chapter 16, beginning at verse 25. Take a look. It says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. One translation says, offering songs of thanksgiving. And the other prisoners were listening. Now, I want to pause there for a second. What? They're doing what? I mean, they've been mistreated. They've been unjustly and unfairly thrown into prison. This is not right. But what are they doing? Are they complaining? Are they whining? No. No, they're not. This was a tough situation. And instead of whining and complaining and getting bitter and offended and saying, man, I want my one phone call so I can call my attorney. That wasn't what they did. It says, what do they do? They were singing praises to God. They were offering songs of thanksgiving. And I love that the scripture says, and the other prisoners were listening. Which probably meant that the other prisoners were starting to be encouraged. Remember, this is the same Paul who wrote 1 Thessalonians. This is the same Paul who wrote Philippians, who says, be thankful in all circumstances. See, when we read that, we go, oh man, but Paul just didn't understand my situation. Paul doesn't understand my circumstance. I cannot give thanks in this circumstance. If Paul was in my circumstance, he probably wouldn't give thanks. Well, that's why we go to Acts chapter 16. Look at Paul's circumstance. Look at his situation and look what he's doing. He's able to give thanks. He's able to praise God. He literally was practicing what he preached. Well, let's find out what happened. Verse 26 says this. Suddenly, I wish we had some sound effects because it would be really good right about now. Let's shake this building. Let's do something. Everybody start stomping your feet. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake. And the prison was shaken to its foundations. Okay, you can stop. That was fun though, wasn't it? Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundation and all the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Now I'm a science guy. I was a biochem major my first two years of college and I can remember reading this for the first time thinking, yeah, an earthquake happens and the doors get all lopsided. That's not a miracle. That's just an earthquake happening. But the chains of every prisoner fell off? The locks popped open? I don't think earthquakes can unlock chains. And the timing of it, the timing of it, it's a miracle. Verse 27 says the jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open, and he assumed that the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. Because he knew as a Roman guard, his responsibility was to make sure all those prisoners stayed there. And his, if he didn't fulfill his responsibility, he would be dead. So he pulls out his sword to go, I'm done. But Paul shouted, stop. Don't kill yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights. It was pitch black, right? Called for lights and ran to the dungeon and he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Verse 30 says, Then he brought them out, and he asked them, Sir, what do I need to do to be saved? 
See, Paul had no idea that salvation was coming to that prison that night. Paul had no idea that prisoners were going to be set free that night. But God did. And so what did Paul do? He faithfully, instead of whining, instead of complaining about his situation, he began to give God praise. I don't know what he was saying, but he may have been saying something like, God, you are good. God, you are good. God, you are good. God, you are good. You're so good to me. And he would just sing it over and over, and the prisoners were listening. And you can imagine, it must have been, God, you are good. Start stomping your feet. God, you are good. Stop your feet harder. God, you are good. You're so good to me. He didn't know what to give thanks for, but he knew God loved him. And he knew God was good to him. And so in faith, he began to give thanks and declare God's goodness. And as a result, a miracle took place. It was the prelude to the supernatural taking place. Now listen, you may not be facing a physical prison here tonight. You may not be facing jail time. You might be. I'm glad you're here tonight. I was on my way, but I thought I'd stop at church. Smart. Amen. Right? Doesn't this speak to you, James? Doesn't this speak to you, bro? Amen. Here they come. I better hurry! (laughs) Every Saturday night. (laughs) I love it. Hey, you may not be facing a physical prison, but at times... At times, our minds are held captive to fear and doubt. In the middle of the night, in your own bed, in your own room, you feel like you're in a prison and you want to be set free. Your heart may be bound with chains of insecurity and you walk throughout the day thinking, I just want to be free free to be who God's created me to be. The prelude is to begin to give thanks to God and look for ways to say, thank you, God, that you love me. Thank you, God, that that you gave your word over the centuries to tell me how much you love me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on a cross so that I could know life, not death. Remember, God is giving you a key to unlock and set you free to be who God has created you to be. Remember what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. It says, when we come to God with a thankfulness, here's what it says in Philippians 4, 7. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. It's what James was talking about during worship. Peace that doesn't seem to make sense. Will guard your heart heart, and your mind. See, it doesn't mean that the attacks won't happen, but I'm I'm kind of a sci-fi geek. I'm a Star Wars fan, and when I read this, come on. Solo's just a few weeks away, come on. 
Listen, when I read this, when I read guarding my heart and my mind, what I imagine is like the Holy Spirit force field around my heart. Come on, nerds, you get it? There's this Holy Spirit force field around my mind and around my heart. When I give thanks to God, it energizes this force field so that when the attacks of the enemy, insecurity, doubt, and fear come at me, I can say, oh, no, 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 no. God loves me. God is for me. He's not against me. And I thank you, God, for your love, your mercy, your peace, your goodness in my life and in my family's life. And I begin to give thanks. And that fear and that doubt begin to just fade away. And the voice of fear gets silenced. Doesn't mean the attacks won't stop. But it means you have the ability to guard that heart and mind of yours. God doesn't want you bound up with worry and fear. Jesus has a better way. Jesus has a better way. Here's what Jesus said when he was here on earth. Jesus said these words. He said, I came. So that they, that's all of us. John chapter 10, verse 10 says, I came that they would have life and have it to the full. Jesus wants you to be full of it. He wants your life to be full. And he gives us these principles so that we can unlock the power and the ability to begin to fill up with joy and peace and confidence. It's simple, but it doesn't mean it's easy. It's simple, but it doesn't mean it's easy. It's going to require you to step up in faith and go, Lord, it doesn't, it, it's not looking good right now, but I'm going to thank you that you love me. It's, it's kind of like this. You've probably heard, well, you know, I'm, not, I'm a person that sees the glass as half empty kind of a pessimist. And then there's the other person that says, well, I'm not a pessimist. I don't see it as half empty. I see it as half full. The principle I'm giving you is based on, on, a, on a poem that I heard someone say one time. It's not about the glass being half full or the glass being half empty. It's being thankful that you have a water to drink. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? When so many people are thirsty, you should be thankful that you have some water. Changes things, right? Changes things. Instead of being sad when a season comes to a close, oh, it's so sad, begin to say to yourself, you know what, I'm glad and thankful that it happened. I'm glad. See, it's different. It's different. And it begins to open you up in faith to see God's hand moving in a powerful way. It may be simple, but I know it's not easy. And so today I'm going to give you a little practical thing. And next week, I'm actually going to give you four practical ways to begin to ignite thankfulness in your heart. So come back next week. Yeah, see, I'm going to leave you hanging here. It's like the end of the Avengers movie. Hey, what's happening? Well, that's what we're doing right now. I'm cutting it off right now. You got to come back next week for the sequel or the part two. But I am going to give you a, a little thing. How do you do this? Pastor Kelly, how can I begin to give thanks? You have to start building a habit. You have to start changing your perspective. Because you know what habit we've gotten into? Complaining, criticizing, being critical of people, negativity. Even in my own household every now and then, I'll even find, like, we'll sit down and we'll watch uh, The Amazing Race as a family. We love watching The Amazing Race. But see, we've been watching it for like 20 seasons. 
And so what we do is we look at the people and go, I could do it better than that. Don't do, what are you crying for? Rachel, why are they crying? Rachel's like, yeah, I could do better than that. We start getting critical. We start building this habit of criticalness and complaining. We can change that habit by being thankful daily. And here's how you do it. Very simple. Every morning when you wake up, start by saying thank you, God, for, and fill in the blank. You do that every day for 40 days, you will start a habit of being thankful. And then if you want to strengthen that habit, just before you go to bed, God, thank you that you give me this beautiful wife. If you're a single person, don't do that one. <laughs> Unless you're looking for a wife, and then you can lay in and say, thank you, God, that you're bringing me a beautiful wife. Every morning, every evening, you will create a habit of thankfulness. And I guarantee you, 100% money back guarantee. I'll give you your tithe back. Watch and see if your situation doesn't begin to turn around. And your joy begins to rise and peace begins to settle on your heart and your family. This is something I practically do in my own household. Because I have a tendency to wake up about 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. And when I do, my mind starts to go. And I start thinking about you. And I start praying for you. And I start thinking about the things God is doing. And I get excited. Sometimes I get concerned. And my mind is starting to run. I say, Lord, I need rest. So what I do, I get up and I just begin to thank him. Thank you, God, that I have two feet that I can walk around this house. Thank you, God, that I have two feet. I have legs that work, God. Thank you. And as I begin to thank God and walk through the house, peace begins to settle over my heart and my mind. That Holy Spirit force field begins to wrap around my heart and my mind, and peace begins to settle in. And I go lay down, and I go back to sleep. It's very practical, but it's also the prelude to seeing something supernatural happen in your life. Thank you for listening. For more information, check out our website at wearerefinery.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram at wearerefinery. God bless.